Hey everyone, welcome to Orange Crushing It, a weekly series dedicated to high drive, passionate and motivated individuals. I'm your host, Frank Clark, President and CEO of The Mr. Orange. This shows a weekly dose of business, life and personal development principles geared toward bringing out the adrenaline junkie and overachiever in each and every one of you. As a seasoned entrepreneur of over five companies producing hundreds of millions in revenue, I'm going to personally be sharing my stories of success and, of course, my life-defining massive screw-ups, <laughs> as well as featuring inspiring guests, business leaders, athletes, thrill-seekers who just truly want to walk their talk and make life happen. Stick around, and let's get crushing. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Orange Crushing It. I am excited beyond words today. Uh, welcome back to the broadcast. I hope you've been listening, and I hope you've been enjoying the show so far. Today, I have the distinct honor and distinct pleasure of bringing on one of my best friends in the absolute world. The guy's name is Jason Karras. He's a fellow Boston guy like me, and he's now down here in Tampa Bay. Jason is a, an accomplished CEO, accomplished entrepreneur, over 30 years of experience. He's a co-chairman and co-founder of a company called IT Authorities here in Tampa, which is among one of the top 100 largest and fastest growing managed service providers in the entire world. Jason's company has been on the Inc. 500 fastest growing private companies in the world for seven straight years, I believe, right, Jay? And uh, also, he's a, a 2017 Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year finalist. And what's really cool, and one of the things I really hope to talk about today is his company for the past 10 years has been on the top 10 places to work in Tampa Bay. He's been a recipient of that award, which is amazing. He's also a co-host with me. We goof around a bit on a, on a show on YouTube called Gratitude TV, where we talk about different elements of gratitude and uh, just have really good fun and laughs on that. He's a great dad. I've known his kids for a while, and he's a mentor. He's been a coach to me. He's a diehard New England guy like myself. So both of us are you know, doing the fucking happy dance now that Brady and Gronk are coming down here to the Bucks. <laughs> 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 Jason, welcome to Orange Crushing It. Oh, thank you, Frankie Poo. Oh, you're welcome, brother. <laughs> oh, shucks. That was a nice intro. Thank you very much and happy to be on the show, buddy. Again, Jason, I, I've been impressed with you. We've known each other for quite a few years now. We met down here in Tampa Bay, actually, when I became a customer of one of, you, of your company. You know, basically back then when you your sales techniques were begging and bribing. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I just started talking. You were like, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> what do I got to do? What do I got to sign? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> what I do remember, though, is when the first time you came into my company, you had this upbeat personality, you know, much like everybody knows you to be around here. And you were very much like a lot of principles the way you ran your company was based around personal development and, you know, that can I, constant, never ending improvement type of mentality. You always have this just this flair for life and being happy and funny and finding humor in just about everything, which is why you and I hit it off pretty well. <laughs> but the one thing that I think that really struck me the most, in, when this is when your company was really small, I don't know, maybe it was 10 employees and it came over to your office, you guys had an amazing culture. And as entrepreneurs, one of the things that I love to promote and one of the things I think is one of the most important parts and elements of running a company is having a great culture. And you've been a CEO, like I said, for over 30 years. You've been in many, many different companies. Quick question. What moved you from being what we'll call a wantrepreneur, somebody that wants to start something, somebody that believes they have the, what it takes to be a, an entrepreneur? What moved you from being a wantrepreneur to an entrepreneur? How did you know you were ready? I was never ready, but I just started, right? That's when you make that transition. You just do it. 
I, I remember like uh, coming across an idea for a business. I just got a business card. That was it. Not a checking account, not a brochure, just, just a business card so I can start walking and talking. And that was enough, right? And it started. So it, so it began. Starting and being fearless is, I guess, one of my things. But I'm not the brightest bulb. I just start. I just do. I take action. You know, I'm surrounded by bright bulbs. Yes, but, you are. Uh, yeah, my secret sauce is just having the uh, gumption to get it going. Yeah, you've, had a, you've had a bunch of companies before IT authorities. Can you tell us a little bit about just, you know, get, let our listeners have a little bit of your background and where you came from and, you know, how you got to be where you're at today? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was just talking to some kids yesterday. They were installing for uh, some bamboo in the back of my yard and they're all 18, 19 years old. And the owner of the company is 18 years old and he just bought his first house and he has a landscaping business and I was coaching him. Now he's got trucks and trailers and people working for him. And I was telling the kids, I go, he reminds me so much of myself because when I was a kid, I was 15, didn't even have a license, but my dad was dropping me off to do some painting jobs. So my first business was a painting business. I was painting people's hallways and doors and just little kind of projects until it just grew. And by the time I was in high school, I had uh, upwards of two crews at times, sometimes working while I was in, in school. And then um, while I was doing that, I was selling water filters door to door. And then I went on to uh, I get out of the painting business and joined my father. And we started an insurance agency together. So we had a Karis Insurance. It's still in Taunton, Mass. right now. I just took over. He was already semi-retired. And he's like, you want to do this with me? I'm like, hell yeah. And I remember my first year, I made $5,200. Wow. That was dad giving me 20 bucks here, $10 here, right? Just enough to survive. I, I, I had some assets in the painting business. I sold it, you know, but it wasn't a lot of money, ladders and stuff like that. And so I, I did Karis Insurance. And then I decided I, I was smarter and knew more than my father opened up a commercial insurance agency and had to put all the glitz and money into the contents of the office and just really dumb mistakes. But anyway, I had a commercial insurance agency. And then I said, you know, I, I think I want to be a carrier too, you know, so I'm going to become an insurance company as well. And then I created worldwide insurance services and it was a kind of like a captive insurance company in the Turks and Caicos Islands. And then it all went crashing down when I tried to take it public at 22 and lost everything I owned for the first time. And then, um, and that's when I actually moved to Florida. I said, I just never liked the cold and I want to live in the, in, the, in the warm weather. So I came down here and I actually had to get a job selling phone systems at AT&T Atlantic. And then I started another business. I said, oh, I found a little thing here. It was telecommunications deregulation. I could save money. Yeah. I could, you know, 40 cents a minute was a savings, right? So I, I did that for a while. I went off on my own and then that failed. I didn't get paid on some contracts. I had to go back to work again. Mm -hmm. So I worked for a guy by the name of Jim D'Ambrosio, a real great leader. And he owned a company called Teleco. And then I told him, I said, look, I'm only here for as long as it gets. I get my side business paying me enough money so I can quit. You cool with that? And he was, you know, so I just grew it until I got to that point. And then one day I said, all right, I'm on my own. And I, I ran that business for about 10 years. I sold the book. And then uh, I acquired another company. That's when I made the transition into IT. Uh, uh, IT. I, I bought a company called F1, and we bought it in 2002, me and my business partner, Jason. And then uh, we ran it into the ground successfully by 2005. Just grew it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> grew it too fast, trying to be all things to all people, just all the, the common fundamental mistakes being made. 
And then we started IT authorities after we had just lost everything. We were a million dollars in debt. We emptied our bank account, sold our homes, paid off 750000 of it, financed the, the remaining balance just by making payments. I've never filed for bankruptcy, even though I've lost everything so many times. I just don't believe in it. I feel it's stealing. And uh, we started this new company with less than $5,000 in the bank. And, you know, the rest is history. That was back in 2006. And yeah, seven times now in the honor roll of the Inc. fastest growing. It's been, it's been an amazing thing. But it comes full circle to you said what you said, culture. What is culture? You know, one other point too, Jay, before we jump right into that, I remember you telling me a story about when you came down here to Florida and life was kind of crumbling and you know, you're looking around. That intestinal fortitude, that drive, you know, was it, was it Jim Rohn or was it, you know, you had mentioned, uh, you had read, you just all of a sudden your life reached a pivot point. And I think that's key, right? Most of the people that are orange energy, they, yes, we're all driven. And, we're, you know, you're an orange guy like me, you know, you're a driven guy, you're all passionate, you're all about winning, you're about success. But throughout the period of, t- of life, we're not always lit up. We're not always on fire. We're not always winning all the time, right? We have failures. We have mistakes. We have shit that hits the fan. And, and so... We need to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, if you will, that intestinal fortitude, that, that drive to succeed. And I remember you had shared with me a story, if you don't mind sharing it again, just a little bit about you, know, you being on the beach. And was it Jim Rohn that, that affected your life? Or? I was in Sanibel Island on vacation for two weeks. And the first week, it was just party central. And then I just had this weird internal reflection experience that I just sat on the beach and for a while I was looking at the ocean waves, but eventually I just was watching my life in reverse. I was watching everything I did and why I did it. I was like, oh, you were looking for attention here and you were looking for this here. And I was just analyzing myself and I I ended up doing that for an entire day without eating, without drinking, without thinking about eating or drinking. I was lost in a world watching a movie of my life. I was missing, so people were looking for me and then I came back and and they were obviously upset, but... I then decided to do that again for the next five days. I just went out there by myself in solitude and I just reflected on my life. And when I came back to Taunton, I dropped all my friends except for just a couple. I I was hanging around the wrong people. Prior to this, you know, I I had been arrested nine times before I was 17 years old. I had unbridled mania because I was unmedicated bipolar disorder. So I didn't know it, but I was living in a manic state and it was just constant you had to feed the beast, if you will, the adrenaline beast. I came home and I wanted to change. I didn't really know how. And I came across a book by Wayne Dyer. And it was Your Erroneous Zones. And it was kind of like a blueprint, blueprint for changing your life or really just introspective and learning about why you think certain things and why you act certain ways and why you feel like you need justice and so forth. It just paved the way. And I just got into business right there. And then I, I always wanted to be a businessman like my dad and I just started reading the Wall Street Journal. And I was in high school at the time when this all happened. And I was still an entrepreneur. I, look, I had my business. I was selling door to door and all this stuff, right? So I was already an entrepreneur, but I hadn't made that personal development leap that I've never, ever looked back on from. Right. It's, it's never, once I made that change and I invested in myself and my mind and, and learning and growing, I just never stopped. Right. And, and that's, it's, that's key, man. I just... There's, there's times in our lives where we just get that one degree shift, if you will. Sometimes it's not all that dramatic. And sometimes we're always looking for that big, that big change, right? And it doesn't have to be that big of a change. It can just be one little degree off, one, two millimeter shift, right? <laughs> one thing, you read this one book, you hear this one phrase, you see this one movie, you know, one person says something to you that just changes the entire trajectory of your life. 
And it's amazing what you do with it. I mean, granted, you have to have the consistency and the discipline and all that to continue with it, right? It's not just a flash in the pan. Right. Or maybe it is, right? If you don't do anything with it, it just becomes stagnant and stale. And but you can, like you said, trajectory. You can change the trajectory of your life in a single moment. Absolutely. Yep. I agree with that. How is all of this transformed into, you know, the pivots in your life, the, the past experiences, and obviously you're just incredible drive and passion. I wish you had the same drive and passion for fashion because, you know, maybe we can clean up your clothing a little bit. But other than that... <laughs> Anybody who knows me, they know I actually have that passion for fashion. (laughs) It's debatable. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, how does that translate? How does that translate into today? I mean, how is, how is all of that transformed into the now, the new IT authorities? And again, getting back into your culture, which I think is really key. I'm sorry I segued back, but I, I wanted people to have a good understanding of what the core of you is and why this, you know, why it's so important that culture within our organizations is number one. It's my favorite subject because you have a culture. I have a culture. I have a, ho- a household culture in my home. And it is, it, it, it's the same thing as it is in my business. It is what you reek of. Your culture is what you reek of. It's like, if you just you said passion, constant, never ending improvement, never giving up, never quitting, intense action. That's my culture. Yeah. That's my life. So I take my culture wherever I go. I take it into my friendships. I take it into my business. I take it everywhere. So, you know, so goes the leader. So goes the pack. We must first lead ourselves. You have to lead you, man. And then you can lead others. But when you do lead you and you do lead yourself consistently, then you're, you're starting to permeate and people catch on to that. That's how you have a culture. You can't say, I want this culture to be this and put it on your website. The, the culture is how people feel when they grab the front door of your office. Like, are they going, oh, great, another day? Or are they like, oh, I can't wait to get in here, right? Are they empowered? Do they feel fierce? Are they coming in timid, right? All that depends on how they feel. How I feel is contagious. You can't be in a bad mood if you're around me. That's basically what I'm trying to accomplish. That's what I want to do in my office. That's what I want to do at home. We have a culture here. The culture is you don't just walk by something that just fell in the pool. You grab it. You throw it away. Right? That's that one degree a little bit. That's the culture here. It's the same culture at the office. It's amazing. It's amazing culture. I mean, isn't your tagline, I'm working more on myself? The IT authorities tagline basically kind of sums up your your cultural mission statement, if you will. Well, one of the things is I work harder on myself than I do my job. A real foreign concept coming from an employer. But if if you're working harder on your job, man, you're not working on your life. I mean, think about your, what is your job? All right. Your job is a big part of your life, right? So on the beach of your life, it's like a section of the beach. It's not the entire beach, but it's an important section nonetheless, right? Sure. Yeah. So, but it's not everything. And I think one of the things that's going to come out of this Corona debacle and craziness is that I hope is that people will find more work-life balance and spend more time with loved ones. Because didn't that, isn't that what we really realize that what we're missing here is that, is that contact with other humans and the people we love? Well, exactly. You know, it's kind of forced our hands to spend more time and self-reflect on what's really important. You know, when you're restricted, when your freedoms are taken away, 
you basically have to go, okay, this is what I'm left with, right? I don't care whether you're a billionaire or whether you're Section 8 housing, right? We're all in the same place, right? We're all forces. It doesn't matter what your wealth level is. It matters right now. We're asked to act a certain way and be a certain way in our society. And so it's a great equalizer. And, and during this time, you either learn a lot about what you like about yourself or you learn a lot about what you don't like. And hopefully what you don't like, you're taking action on and you're fixing. You know, and to that end, I mean, during this virus, you have people that are on the phone servicing your clients. You have some really big name customers that work with you. And now you have almost 90 people, I think, right, that are staying at home, yeah. answering your calls. So how do you manage a culture, a corporate culture, where everybody was in the one building, which is a nice picture of it right behind you there, <laughs> you know, for those who uh, can see this at some point. How do you maintain a great culture when you've got almost 100 employees not showing up to the building and now asking them to stay really driven and really passionate towards your mission in the company? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. And I, I got to tell you, first, their production doubled. doubled. It didn't increase by 20%. I mean, it doubled. We were blown away. We, we didn't really do any, hardly any work from home. We have a big, beautiful building. We have a nice place to pe- put people. And we thought that we needed to see them every single day. And we were kind of, this kind of forced our hand to go remote. We're still at maximum work from home right now. There's 96 employees working at home. And there's like 13 in the office. They have to be there in order to do their job. But production doubled. So that's the first thing. The second thing was, so how did production double? Well, that is the culture, right? Performing, being passionate about serving. They're doing the same thing just at home. But I'll tell you what, if anything's going to test your company culture, it'll be something like all your employees have to work from home. So there's things you have to do. And part of culture is communicating what that culture is and reinforcing that message. So I do uh, videos, typically Friday videos. And it's just a video from the CEO and I give everybody an update. I, I believe in transparency. That's part of our culture too. Unprecedented transparency. I tell, I'll even tell customers how much we're making. I want them to know. There's no secrets to this. There's no hiding anything, <laughs> you know? So, but uh, during these videos, I'm keeping in contact and I'm keeping everybody um, in tune with all of our strategic initiatives. And it happens to be lots. We're doing a full court press on every single little project and department. We're making the company whole. Again, that's part of the culture. They're just doing it from home. And we're doing, you know, uh, Teams calls, Zoom calls all day long. And I'm encouraging, another thing I did is to encourage people to do a video call instead of just doing uh, texts and just doing phone calls. So you can have some human interaction because people are missing that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But this does test the culture, Frank. You know, everyone's at home. They're not, they're not gathering. You know, let me just explain another thing. I always said, just like Jim Rohn said, you know, sophisticated people don't take a chance on poor service. So they give a tip up front to ensure promptness, TIP, to so give it up front. Well, it's the same way with, it was my philosophy is, I don't want employees coming to work. I don't want to take a chance on their mindset not being right and able to serve the way we want it to, 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 for our customer. So we do these stand-up meetings first thing in the morning. Get everybody together. Get your, your head straight, right? What are we here to do? A great example is right now I have customers that we support for ju- juvenile justice, but also, also for child protective services. So if, if a, a caseworker cannot go into a home 
to remove a child from an abusive home because their computer is not working is unacceptable. That child now has to suffer through whatever horrible nightmare they're living through because of a technical glitch. No. So there's a lot of stress and, and we need to know how to serve and get our mind straight before we start our day. So we still do those stand-up calls early in the morning, even though they're remote. They're all on video calls. They're seeing their faces. We're getting our, our heads straight, and we're saying, all right, let's go serve. Ready, break. Fantastic. And, you know, again, testimony to what you're doing. I don't have a company that's that large, but 90 employees working from home, that's self-motivating. You know, they could not get up. You would never know. They could not do their job. You wouldn't, there's a lot of things that they could goof off with, right? Screw off with. Yeah. And you as the employer would never know. The customers may never know. And, you know, certainly some people will take advantage of freedoms and they'll overextend, except when you have an amazing culture in your company and they feel like it's, it's an honor to be here. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. You know, I, I, I want to help everybody succeed. And the only way this company succeeds is if we individually, did, you know, to coin Bill Belichick, right? Do your job. You don't have to be the whole team. You don't have to be the star. Just do what you do incredibly well and do it with integrity and do it with an intensity that you love what you're doing. You love the, the people you're working with. You know, you know that your efforts help somebody else succeed. Like you're talking about, you know, your protective services, child protective services. You want to make sure that your staff knows that everybody protects is protecting lives, protecting children. Right. You know, that's a, just a, an incredible incredible mission and incredible testimony again to you, which is probably why for 10 years, your company has been nominated and, and has, has won top workplace in Tampa Bay area. That's the one we're most proud of really. You know, if you think about it, cause it's voted on by your employees and it says everything, but there are times when our culture went to crap and it was because we allowed a cancerous personality to remain. And when you're not true to your, your culture, it's, you're really spitting in the face of everybody who lives the culture. When you tolerate a bad egg, they metastasize, don't they? Especially right, right with the people that they work with most and people who are within proximity. And it's like, you can just see it happening. You're like, oh, John just became mush from Peter. Peter's puking on everybody here, you know? And we weren't true because, you know, Peter was good. He was good at his job, but he was also a freaking prick, right? Well, whatever it might be, you can't tolerate that. Slow to hire, quick to fire. You see a pill like that, you have to remove it because they do, they do exactly that. They metastasize quickly. Yeah, they're poisonous, right? And, and they're highly contagious, right? Talk about really are, yeah. more than Corona, nine, 19 yeah. here, right? <laughs> you know, we got to yes. keep ourselves... Uh, Seriously, with our companies, I mean, you're right. I mean, one bad apple can certainly spoil the entire group. One of the things I love about your company is that you're always telling your staff that if you see somebody that's, that's struggling, you see somebody that's having a tough go of it, you know, don't chastise them, but hey, how can I help you? How can I help you improve? How can I help make your job better? How can I make your day better, right? How can I help empower you to crush it, right? How can I empower you to be feel-driven and successful and significant right now? And that's a beautiful thing that you do. Well, you know, I'll tell you, going back a little bit to what we're looking for quality of people, right? We've recently gone through a uh, exercise for EOS, which stands for Entrepreneur Operating System. It's from a book called Traction. It's a management operating system. And one of the things it forces you to do is to deconstruct your best and your worst employees in order to figure out what is the core values of the company. When we look at core values, these are the people we want to hire and retain. So what were they? And we, we got through them. And a lot of them had a lot like yours, 
show people that you care. Well, we, we took care and we did a mind map and we just blew out. What does care mean? Right. Right. We blew out another one that was grow or die. Like you need to be growing. And, and so what, what are all the tree limbs that feed that? I suggest people do this, you know, just draw a circle in the middle and say core values and then start drawing bubbles off of it. And then you can just mind map and, and just take take your best, you know, most productive, best attitude employee and deconstruct what are those personality traits. So now you can hire for that. You can fire for that. You, you look for what your guidelines are, because that is what's building your culture. One other thing on culture, though, because everything like kumbaya, free soda, free food, we feed the employees like free lunches and all that stuff. That does not make a good culture. What? The free beers at your company on Friday? No? We do. We have, we have, we have <laughs> Buddy, the, the, the beer cooler in the big conference room. <laughs> it's really kept me coming back. <laughs> Plus the donuts in the lobby there, too. I probably have one too many of those lately. <laughs> we have donuts, yeah. Uh, it's basically, to piggyback off what you're saying, and where I think you were going with that before I rudely interrupted you, <laughs> was that it needs to be inside the core of everybody. Yes, those are nice things, right? It's nice gestures to show your staff that you appreciate them, right? And gestures go so far, right? I mean, look, everybody loves to get a gift. Everybody loves to be feel appreciated. Everybody likes to have something, that's some token of, of their significance, right? Some token of appreciation, if you will. But really to get people to, to act when you're not there. They say that the, the fiber of a person really is based on when how they act when nobody else is around. Yep. Right. That's what culture I think really boils down to is what is the culture like when you're not showing up, when you're not walking the halls of your business. Right. Right. So I I remember what I was going to say. And it's, if you have a dysfunctional company, it's very difficult to have a good culture. It's just like, imagine negativity raining on you like Niagara Falls every single day, all day or day, you know, and it just never gets any better. Well, that is not going to bode well for culture. So culture does have tentacles into operations. If it's just a mess, how are you going to maintain culture? You just don't. It wanes away. So you've got to be operationally sound or working toward a worthy ideal of operational soundness. You can do all the free stuff in the world. People are still going to quit and be unhappy. That's an amazing point. That's an amazing point you just brought up there. It's true. And when you then to talk back to one of the points you brought up earlier is complete transparency, right? It's one thing to have this idea. It's one thing to have this thought process, but to also be transparent and make sure that everybody hears it. It's consistency, right? Consistency and transparency on that message is what drives it home. And, you know, walk in your talk. Right. You're a guy that's very prominent in the community. You're very, you know, you walk your talk. You're a great dad. You're very involved with your children. You're very involved with your girlfriend. You're very involved with your friends. Hey, you're very involved with your life, your health, all of that. And again, it's testimony to how you do anything is how you do everything. And, you know, how you live your life is exa- a great example of how you run your company. We all have quotes on our doors. You can yeah. put your own quote on your door and stuff. And that's mine. How you do anything is how you do everything. So powerful. It's true. It's true. To just, if you could, for our listeners, uh, and by the way, again, thank you for being on the show. It's been amazing. Uh, I really like how this has been flowing. And, and again, all your great tips on culture. If you can leave people with just one or two things, as we're starting to come out of this pandemic, right? Now we're trying to trans, we've transitioned into this stay home mentality. And for some people, you know, they may just stay with this. It's been working great for them. And uh, I know in my company, you know, we've, 
I've been able to find lots of ways to save money. Shift, our company's doing incredibly well, like way better than it did all 2019 before this ever started. So there is some elements of what's going on here that's fantastic, and we certainly want to take advantage of that. But, you know, if you're, your advice, Jason, to people that are now moving out of this pandemic, now we're getting back into, you know, possibly being back to eating at restaurants and sporting events, and those companies that now have to indoctrinate their culture back or their employees back into the workspace, what would be one or two things you would advise them to do to keep them fired up, to get them fired up, to basically make their companies maybe the next generation of home run that they didn't have before? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I almost want to go before that and say, I hope the hell you're coming out of this better than you went into it. You've had nothing but time. You've had nothing but time to work on your body. Even if you don't have weights, you can work on your body and do exercise. You can be working on, I know you're working on Mr. Orange. You're working on all of this. You're coming out ahead, right? People should be doing that now. But as a transition, you know, one of the things I actually hope that comes out of this is I hope that people will have a better sense for work-life balance because I think this proves that your job isn't everything and enjoy life and, and go on those adventures and set goals for your family and get out of the house and do those things. But, you know, and, and then as you start to transition, I, I, look, it's new for me too. So I, I don't know that I'm anyone to give advice, but I'm going to ease into it. Uh, as far as that, I, I still have the heebie-jeebies wherever I go, thinking that someone's, you know, coughing and droplets are falling through the air, and I got to take my gloves off carefully and my mask. You know, it's going to be an adjustment. It really is. <laughs> but, you know, easy goes. Let's just kind of dip our toe in and move back into that. But I actually don't think it's going to ever go back to where it was because one businesses have seen the volatility and what can happen with a pandemic and how they just shut you down. People are going to, I think, save more money, have more, they're going to waste more. I can tell you right now, I, I, I now finally have enough paper towels, but like I, I would say, I cut one in half when I didn't need the whole thing. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm just like my father. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know I've always been against a scarcity mentality. I've always been, you should have a, a wealth mentality, an abundance mentality, and you will attract that. But this has taught me <laughs> to be a little bit more like my parents <laughs> and not waste so much. So I think, I, I think that we're coming out of this. People will be closer to their family and friends. They'll spend more quality time. They'll use less and consume less because we realize we just don't need all that shit. And we'll have a sense of gratitude for the way the world operates when it's running nicely and smoothly and we're not sitting here in hibernation. Exactly. And by the way, I do have a roll of toilet paper and paper towels for you. I'll sell you. Yeah. <laughs> Only a hundred bucks a roll. I'll Hell trade you for an hour of coaching. <laughs> I'll trade you. Yeah. Well, that's a ton of money. Trust me. <laughs> Anyways, Jason, thanks very much for being on the show today. It was really a pleasure and an honor to have you here. My I know you and I goof around on... <laughs> a lot of shit but truly at the end of the day i admire you you're an amazing friend an amazing coach just thanks. a super dad and, a, and an amazing friend I, i'm blessed i'm honored and i thank you for the time this morning to just wrap about business and culture and how you know you are crushing it you really are an example of orange crushing it and uh thank you so much just thanks. for our listeners that want to learn more about you or about your company or even get in touch with you how can they do that Oh, thank you. Yeah. And by the way, you are my, you know, my hero, my best friend, my mentor, my coach, my, you know, all of that. And I'm honored to be here and help and uh, be part of this. So 
itauthorities.com, jasoncaris.com is it's kind of my stuff. But uh, yeah, man, it's been an honor. And uh, I hope you continue on with this thing. This, you're doing a great thing. You're a force for good. Beautiful energy. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. And for all you listeners out there, thanks again for joining us for another episode of Orange Crushing It. Again, our goal here is to pull out of every single person the inner passion, the inner drive, the inner element of excellence that we all have. We all have it. We all own it. We all desire it. We know we feel good when it's happening to us. And, uh, you know, again, all this entrepreneurial spirit. Again, I want to thank my guest, Jason Karras, for being with us today. And all you guys have an amazing day, an amazing day, and stay inspired. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orange Crushing It. Hope you're fired up to take on your week with unstoppable energy. Hey, if you like the broadcast, please subscribe. Share it with your best buds, and please write a badass review. You can reach me at themrorange.com. Stay inspiring, y'all.